Hello, and welcome back to Hunting Legends. I am Sue Host, Lauren Garcia. This is Sue Host, Queen Elizabeth. Say your real name. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, though. Technically. That's not my real name. Well, say your real name, then. Jesus. Do they even know your real name? Do you know? No. Gabriella? <laughs> You know, the one that's on my birth certificate? I've never seen your birth certificate. <laughs> Even though so I know where it is. So what you're saying is, you think I'm lying. Yes. I know you're lying. So what's my name, then? Herbert. What a beautiful name. <laughs> I know, right? If I have a daughter, I'll name her that. <laughs> anyway... Today's episode is going to be movie themed. Yeah, movie themed. Uh, I am doing The Exorcism of Roland Doe, and Gabby is doing The Haunting in Connecticut. Yeah. People in Connecticut are gonna hear this and just be like, this bitch! <laughs> I should have covered the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Uh, who's going first last time? Who went first last time? That's the word I'm looking for. I think you went first last time. Oh yeah, because I... We got hung over in the end about... Rasputin's stink. Um, so yeah. You go first this time. Oh. You see this? You see it? Notes. She finally has notes this time. I do better just speaking off the top of my head, though. Do you? I know a lot of things. You didn't know why they kept Rasputin's dick. Who's a foot long? I think we all know why they kept it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So I am covering The Haunting in Connecticut, which is a movie that was made in 2009. Is based on events that happened in 1980 something? In the 19, yeah, 1986. I, I looked at your notes and I saw it right there. Um, so the, I'll go over the movie first. The movie is about this family that moves into a new house in Connecticut because they live. Oh, it was just the wind. In, um. <laughs> Some, uh, they live in, like, New Jersey or something, and they have to drive back and forth to a hospital in Connecticut um, because their oldest son, the oldest son of the family, has an immune disease, like an immune system cancer. And I don't think it's specified in the movie, but in real life, he has Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, so they decided to... Um, I think they actually bought it in real life, but they in the movie they rent this house, mm -hmm. and um, to be closer to the hospital. Yes. Okay. Hopefully that made the sound quality better. Okay. What was I saying? Uh, they rented the house. You think they may have bought it in real life? But I think sure. I didn't actually look that part up. Sorry, but <laughs> they go into this house, and strange things start occurring. The, um, the three things, the four things that actually happen in movie that happened in real life, and I'm doing air quotes here, 
is that in the movie, whenever they move in, there's a scene where the mom is downstairs in the basement and she's um mopping and the water turns into blood and she like hallucinates it or something. That the dude hallucinates it? No. Oh yeah. No. But yeah. What? <laughs> in the movie the dude hallucinates the her mop water turns to blood. In actuality it was the mom who hallucinated that. Oh damn. It's it's all gonna make sense in the end, don't worry. Okay. Is it? The other main thing is that the lights were flickering on and off and everything. Um, there was something else that I thought of. Oh, um, it did used to be a funeral home before it was made into a house. The former owner who um, they bought the house from, I guess, in he acquired the house in the 80s and renovated it into a house. Before that, it was built in the 1920s, and it was the Hallahan Funeral Home. And they did find pictures of corpses huh. in drawers and stuff. Yeah. But that was pretty much it. And um, the um, the actual kid who had cancer, he did stay downstairs in the basement, which used to be. The, the like funeral home part there was the, there was like a room where they, where they displayed the caskets and, and then there was a hallway and there was a room where they did the embalming and he and his brother stayed in the I said lobotomy sorry <laughs> that's no, not do lobotomies to do with dead home. people um so that part was true but it, actually he and his brother shared the room because they were both teenagers at the time um the other thing that happened in the movie that actually happened was whenever he put his little brother on the gurney and started spinning him around. And scaring the shit out of his little brother. Happened. And the other incident that actually happened Wait. was that he attacked his cousin who was living with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the part where he goes berserk and he goes after his cousin with an axe. That actually happened. I don't know to what extent... It is dramatized because it is dramatized in the movie. But after those two events, he is taken to a mental hospital where he uh, stays for 45 days. And they diagnose him with schizophrenia, even though his symptoms are actually closer to depression. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's mostly because he's talking about the spirits talking to him and stuff. And it's probably just because he had extreme depression because he was dying. And because he had cancer. And it's He's not uncommon for people to freak out sometimes. But it's that he... I think it was that he was he was having a little bit of a psychotic break because he was very sick and he was living in a house that used to be a funeral home. Mm -hmm. And he did... I think he did have depression, severe depression, because his symptoms were that he was distant from his family... He was violent and he was moody. Uh, I don't know if you know. I know. But those those uh, symptoms sound like um, he's being possessed. And those are actually the same symptoms of severe depression. Nice. Yeah. Which is why, in especially in like the Catholic Church, a lot of people you're gonna you're probably gonna talk about that. Um, 
a lot of people where was I denied mental illness where was I okay yes um while they were staying in this house in Connecticut his cancer actually did go into remission he wasn't cured I don't think you're ever really cured of cancer. Mm -mm. Um, he it did go into remission, which is one of the things they say that happens in the movie that he's like remarkably cured and like there's no trace that anything was ever wrong with him. He did go into remission, and he did probably get his depression treated and he was doing better after that. But his uh, it did come back, and um, he died in 2012. The actual guy. I'm not going to say his name um, of his cancer. So the what actually happened? In the house? In the house. Okay. Is that Carmen Snedecker, what? his mother. <laughs> say that last name again. Snedecker. Snedecker? Snedecker. S-N-E-D-E-K-E-R. Snedecker. 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 I don't know. She. Sorry. Okay. I think it was all in her head. Carmen? Because, yes, his mother. Because. Because. What's she doing? Whenever she rented the house or whatever, she claims that nobody ever told her that it was formerly a funeral home, even though everybody else around claims that she was told from the beginning. And that she, she claims that, or claimed, I don't know if she's still alive, claimed that um, they didn't know it was a funeral home until after they moved in and they saw all the stuff in the basement and they found the pictures and stuff. That's so, That's not true. That's so stupid because whatever you have that, like that, I'm not sure when this started, but there was like this thing that started where they have to tell you if there was a death in the home, if there was a funeral home yeah, in the, the home. Yeah, the history of a home has to be opened to yes. you before you buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and all of the events that happened, like the water turning to blood and the, actually the, the shower thing in the movie where, like, his, the cousin gets suffocated by the shower curtain. Oh. Yeah. That did happen, but it happened to the mother. And everything that happened that was, um... Supernatural? Supernatural. Was happening to the mother? Was happening to the mother. And I think that was feeding into her son's depression and his mental break. Yeah. I can say that. And she brought in paranormal investigators, including Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh! You hate those people. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And... They actually got in touch with this guy, Ray Garten, who wrote a book about the event. But, but there are handfuls and handfuls of authors who now, after Ed Warren's death in 2006, claim that he told them to just make it up. Damn. Whenever they wrote books. Wow. He told them, basically, you have the stuff that they told you, just make it up to make it scarier. So wrong. And there's a family that lives in the house now. Mm-hmm. It didn't actually burn to the ground. He didn't have a major psychotic break and there weren't bodies on the walls and he didn't burn the house down. Um, there's a family that lives in the house now that they're like, no, nothing's 
Nothing's, nothing's ever weird happened. about it. And there was nothing weird about it before either. I think it was just that this this woman, and I'm not trying to blame her because she might have a mental illness. Yeah. But the, I think it's that she got in her head that it was a funeral home and she started Doing seeing a... things where there wasn't anything. Yeah. You know? Apophenia. And I think because her son was going through his treatments and everything and he was probably already depressed. Yeah. She this whole thing just made it worse. I mean, you got the stuff right there. Mm -hmm. That's everything you need for a psychotic break. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much it. It was all fake. <laughs> like, the, uh, I am not saying that she made it all up. I'm sure that she believed that she was being haunted yeah. and that her family was being haunted. But, but... But, but, but. There's a difference between you believing oh, in something and something actually happening. Is that all you and know? that's the haunting in Connecticut. That was... Do you have any questions? A little more depressing than I thought it would be. Uh... You know what's did, funny, though? Wait. Go ahead. Did the... Did the self-proclaimed paranormal experts, like, deem the house haunted? Oh, everything? yeah. They were like, it's super fucking haunted. No, there's nothing wrong with the house. Okay. What were their names again? And Lorraine Warren. Okay. I remember this, the Warren part, but I don't funny thing, anything though. else. Funny thing. All of the paranormal um, community investigations that Ed and Lorraine Warren have done, that they have um, copyright on, are still under wraps. None of the movies that have been made about Ed and Lorraine Warren actually happened. None of them did. I think it's, um, what movie is it with the girl that's being possessed? There are quite a lot of those movies. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. No. Like there's a little a girl? Annabelle? Where there's a girl who's possessed and, um, it's the one where he's, like, listening to the tape recording of her and she, it's, she, there's, like, a person talking to her, and she's talking back, but in the voice of, like, a grizzled old man who smokes 34 cigarettes a day. I, I don't know. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. I don't I mean, remember I, for the life I of me I probably do know what you're talking um, about subconsciously, but it's not clicking. That movie, Ed and Lorraine Moore never had anything to do with that case. The whole thing with them was completely fabricated. The case actually did happen, but it was investigated by two other paranormal investigators in England, and they didn't have anything to do with it. Nice. And the only reason that this movie was be was able to be made into a movie is because the mother and... the Yeah, the mother, I think, and Ray Garten, the guy who wrote the book, maintained their copyrights over the story. If Ed and Lorraine Warren would have gotten the copyrights over the story, then there wouldn't have ever been a movie made. Yeah. Is that all you have? Yeah. You had your little spat about Ed and Lorraine Warren? I don't like them. Okay, then. There's also a thing that they investigated the, um... Amityville House. The Amityville House. And they were 
fucking wrong. <laughs> Blatantly so. Blatantly. But we will talk about that on a different day. <laughs> what do you got, Lauren? Well, I got the exorcism that actually did warrant the exorcism of Emily Rose and a lot of exorcisms today. Warrant. Um, it was the inspiration for the exorcist. The exorcism of Emily Rose. Basically every yeah. exorcism movie ever. Basically every was exorcism based on this. Movie. Was based on the exorcism of Roland Doe. And Roland Doe is not this kid's real name. This is a alias. I, well, I thought you were gonna say alien. <laughs> no, alias to protect alien. a child. Uh, this happened in the late 1940s in the United States. Uh, apparently, like, I'll go over the general. Apparently, a priest from a, the Roman Catholic Church performed a series, a long series of exorcisms on Rolando, which is the anonymous child, anonymous boy. Under the... They also call him Robbie. Which I'll is I'll refer to him as Robbie a little later. Uh, he was allegedly the victim of demonic possession, and he was like a fourteen-year-old kid. And the events were recorded by a priest, Raymond J. Bishop. And the subsequent claims, like I said before, inspired the 1971 novel The Exorcist of William Peter, The Exorcist by William Peter Blatley, and Blatty. then the Blatty? There's not a second out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am dyslexic. We all are. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. We're all dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. And then the later 1973 film adaptation, which sparked the entire horror genre. Yeah, pretty much. Helped to spark the supernatural horror genre. Yeah. Uh, and Roland, Rolando Robbie, was born in a German Lutheran family. Lutheran. Lutheran. I never actually knew how to you pronounce that. You keep adding letters where there aren't letters. I'm sorry! I don't know how to pronounce things, so I'm just... I went to school in Anson, Texas, whenever they got rid of phonics and all that. Yeah, but they didn't <laughs> teach you how to read. They didn't teach us how to read. Oh, uh, yeah. My, my sister wasn't taught to read at a school. She was taught to read by me and our other sister. Yeah. Go on. Yep. <laughs> I was a stupid kid whenever I was in school. Uh, during the 1940s, the family lived in a in in Cottage City, Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> in a cottage in Cottage City, Maryland. In a cottage in City, Maryland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, in uh Cottage City, cottage City Maryland. Roland was an only child and dependent on the adults of the household as playmates, including his uh, aunt Harriet, who was a super sp spiritualist, mm -hmm. and introduced Roland to a Ouija board. <laughs> and a lot of other shit. This was just like the main thing. If you guys could have seen my face. I wish I could have seen your face. I wasn't really paying attention. 
And like the original. Here's a fun fucking toy. Demons. That makes me so mad. In <laughs> like the original claims and everything, in mid 1949, uh, several newspapers were like anonymously reporting on the alleged possession and exorcism of this kid mm-hmm. and saying that there were. Okay. At least 48 people had witnessed the exorcisms, including nine, uh, can you pronounce this word for me? I don't want to get it wrong. You see it? Jesuits. Jesuits were basically priests. They are priests. I'm not saying basically. Uh, (laughs) and this was all sourced by the family's former pastor, Luther Miles Schultz. Wait. Wait. Yeah. They had a Lutheran pastor named Luther. (laughs) I didn't notice that before. Yes. Yes, they did. And I think this was actually pretty shitty because the kid was acting up, and so they brought Luther out. Luther the Lutheran. Yes. I, um, I need to get into that a little later. What happened? Okay, the family, this kid was, like, acting up and whatnot, so the family brought in Schultz to, like, talk to the kid, basically. But instead, Schultz took him- <laughs> Did you just- No, don't eat that! <laughs> she dropped her food! And Roxy almost had a snack. I dropped my food very comically. Onto my dog. Oh. <laughs> uh... Okay, what was I saying? Schultz took the kid to his house and, like, watched him, and then he... Yeah. That doesn't sound like a good situation. Yeah. And then he took the kid back, and he was like, this kid's possessed. And he went to newspapers and whatnot, and we're just like, this kid's possessed. I witnessed him, like, moving things and, like, with inhuman strength and speaking in Latin tongues. It was a whole big shebang that Schultz Speak of which, I can't started. prove any of this. Yes, he couldn't prove any of this. Possibly. Go on. Okay. I'm getting slowly and slowly more mad. According to an author, Thomas B. Allen, Jesuit, how do you pronounce it? Jesuit. 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 Priest, Father Walter H., Halloran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses of the events of the exorcism and the possession. Uh, he wrote, Alan, I, I know, I'm just looking. Alan wrote in that a diary kept by Raymond J. Bishop, who, if you'll remember, recorded the events, uh, detailed exorcisms performed on Robbie and in 2013 Alan quoted and Alan said it quoted emphasized that definite proof that the boy known only as Robbie was possessed by malevolent spirits is unattainable Maybe he instead suffered from a mental illness or sexual abuse 
or fabricated the entire experience. According to Alan Halloran also, quote, expressed his skepticism about potential paranormal events before his death. <laughs> when asked in an interview to like make a statement on the boy, Halloran, who was the father, uh, responded saying, quote, no, I cannot go on record. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I didn't feel I was qualified. Wait. You're gonna have to say that last part to me again. I wasn't paying too much attention. Okay. Quote. No, I can't go on record. Who? I Halloran. One of the- one Okay. Of, okay. Tell me! <laughs> No, I can't go on record. I never made an absolute statement about things because I didn't feel I was qualified. So basically. Basically. This is a whole big fuck show. Yeah. The more you get into this case, the more you read into it, the more you realize it's it's not real. Uh, okay, I'm going to get into, like, Robbie and the exorcisms himself. Apparently, after Aunt Harriet's death, the family experienced strange noises and moving furniture and moving objects that were flying across the room or levitating near the boy, near Robbie. And so, like I said before, the family turned to Schultz. Who was <laughs> Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was their Lutheri Lutheran pastor. I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> There's no I in that word. Thank you. I realize this. Uh, I'm sorry, where was I? <laughs> Schultz was apparently long interested in parapsychology, which is apparently a psychology in paranormal events and like exorcisms and whatnot. I'm not entirely sure how accurate this is, and I'm not entirely sure if this dude is not just blatantly full of shit. Uh, Schultz arranged for the boy to spend the night at his home in order to observe him. Oh, no. <laughs> was he a good guy or a bad guy? I don't know. He, he was the one that leaked to the press. Keep going. Uh... According to a researcher, J.B. Ryan, uh, he learned that Schultz claimed to witness household objects and furniture seemingly moving by themselves, and he wondered if Schultz was <laughs> unconsciously or consciously exaggerating the facts, and that... Schultz actually advised the parents of Robbie to see a Catholic priest. Because apparently he couldn't help the boy. And then Schultz went to the media. Because, I mean, what's the answer to molestation? More molestation. I'm sorry, I'm getting angry. Uh, according to the story to the claims, uh, Robbie went under a number of exorcisms. Uh, Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, conducted an exorcism on Robbie at Georgetown University Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And 
during the exorcism, the boy, they allegedly said that the boy slipped. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Either. They allegedly said that the boy was like speaking in tongues and speaking in a deeper voice and like a demon voice was coming out of him. And apparently the boy had uh, slipped one of his hands out of his restraints broke a bed spring out from under the mattress and used it as a weapon, slashing the priest's arm and resulting in the exorcism ritual being halted. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the family then traveled to St. Louis where Robbie's cousin contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University, uh, who was bishop. Cool. The one that recorded it. Cool. <laughs> uh, who in turn spoke to William S. Bodern, uh, an associate at the college church. Together, both, both priests visited Robbie at his relative's home, uh, where they allegedly observed shaking the shaking of the bed, objects flying around, the boy speaking in a deeper voice, and speaking in tongues, uh, basically, uh, puberty, like, <laughs> like the I don't know stereo about you, but things tend to fly whenever I throw them. Stereotypical exorcism, and William S. Bodern was granted permission by the Archbishop Bishop, Bishop. to perform another exorcism on this kid. Uh, and the exorcism took place at the Alexine Brothers Hospital in South St. Louis, Missouri, which was later raised. They don't have any record that the boy was there. Like, it was lost. It was burned? No, it was raised. Like, it... The the ho the hospital was condemned. I'm not. I didn't look up whenever it was condemned, and they destroyed it. Okay. Okay. Uh, before that exorcism began, another priest, Walter Hollerin, was called to the psychiatric wing of this hospital, where he was asked to assist in the exorcism. Uh, along with a third priest who is not very important. <laughs> who didn't do much. Uh, Halloran stated that during the exorcism itself, words such as evil and hell, along with various marks, appeared on the teenager's body. Uh... Allegedly, also during this exorcism, the boys' mattress began to shake, uh, and Robbie broke, apparently broke Holleran's nose during the process. <laughs> but he uh, told a report that after the exorcism was over... He did what? He, Holleran, reported that after the exorcism was over... To whom? I don't know. <laughs> That Robbie 
had led a rather ordinary life afterwards. Do you understand? No. <laughs> after the exorcism, after they fully did the exorcism, Rob Robbie went on to lead a rather unordinary life. So basically, they left him the hell alone and he got better. Yeah. Okay. And this... I'm gonna get into Thomas B. Allen's, like, book and his research because he dove into this. And in his 1993 book, Possessed, the True Story of an Exorcism, uh, he offered quite a bit of explanations and he did go through the story. If you can, it's probably still out. You can probably still look it up and read it. Uh, and die. And die. <laughs> and die. A lot of the claims were... You're talking too slowly. What? You're talking too slowly. Whenever... Uh, experts started to look into this, a lot of the claims began to fall apart. Uh, one author, Mark Opsonik, which I believe is how you pronounce his... That's no Snedeker, but Opsonik. <laughs> last name. Uh, he reports that the boy was probably writing the words on himself, was probably making the old Latin voices himself. Uh, he also puts a lot of, what is it called? Skepticism, I guess, on Hollerin and how he didn't check the boy to make sure that he wasn't hurting himself, that he didn't have any, like, Mark's blood on his fingernails or anything like that. Uh, he also doesn't believe that Hughes, which was uh, before in his attempted exorcism, Hughes was actually injured in the process because there was no evidence that he had actually gotten loose. That, that he'd been punched in the damn face. No, this is the one that he cut with the bed spring. Oh. Yep. <laughs> cut someone with, I mean, this was in the 40s, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, during his investigation, Obstinic also discovered the exorcism did not take place at uh, the previous hospital. <laughs> uh, the boy never lived near Mount Rainier where the previous exorcism was said to take place. Uh, and the boy was originally homed in Cottage City, Maryland. Uh, much of the commonly accepted information about the story was based on hearsay and on the fact that what's-his-face, who you think is pedophile, uh, basically just ran it off to the media, whatever the fuck he wanted. Uh, there was no evidence that Hughes <laughs> actually- evidence. Everdence. That Hughes actually visited the boy at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. or requested that he go to the Georgetown Hospital, that he be restrained, or that he attempted an exorcism on this kid. So the whole thing is made up. Yeah. There was no ev actual evidence that any of what Hughes said happened. You got a whole happened, lot of stuff there. Happened. 
Uh, Opsonek also looked towards neighbors and childhood friends of Robbie, whom uh, all said that the boy, quote, the boy had been a very clever trickster who had pulled pranks, tranks, pranks to frighten his mother and fool children all over the neighborhood. Another skeptic, Joe Nickel, wrote that there was, quote, simply no credible evidence to suggest the boy was possessed by demons or evil spirits, and maintains that the symptoms of the uh, supposed possession were childishly simple and fake. (laughs) Uh, Nickel dismissed uh, suggestions of supernatural forces that made the scratching marks saying that they didn't check the boy's nails, that the boy could easily have done it to himself, especially since, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would go that far for a joke, though. I don't know. Whenever they looked into this boy, this boy was, like, had problems. Psychopathic tendencies. Yeah, because he... he... Not mildly... They looked into the aunt. Severe psychopath. Into the aunt and the spiritualist, and she had quite a bit of problems herself. And uh, the boy, Robbie, was very close to her. So, yeah, it's very explainable how it's not. Uh, The other perspective is like the religious perspective, in that. Two Christian academics wrote that the possession wrote uh, that advocates of the possession believe that quote although there are not frequent exorcisms are necessary for casting out demons and quote cases of genuine possession cannot be explained by psychiatry. However, there has no been no actual genuine case of possession recorded mm-hmm. yeah it's all like a child who has like seizures or something like that or is mentally unstable and it is christian like christian academics and whatnot write it off as like you can't explain this because it happened oh so many years ago and like you don't have all the accounts but that's the exact reason why you can't explain why it's not an actual exorcism or a possession. Uh, and like I said before, this case sparked a, a lot of exorcism. <laughs> it sparked some exorcism. Sparked the stereotypical exorcism of today's modern media uh and like copies for lack of a better word of this exorcism was put in the 1971 novel the exorcist and then later in the 1973 horror film the exorcist uh it was also yeah it was also in like a exorcism of Emily Rose and all that. Basically, every movie that it has an exorcism in it is based off of this. The exorcism is based off this. And that is all that I have.
cool. Yes. <laughs> you have so basically what we're saying is everything is fake. <laughs> I'm saying that this is fake. I mean, like, the original story, if you look at the original story itself about how the boy got possessed by a, via Ouija board and then went through two or three exorcisms and then finally, like, they had a successful, quote-unquote, successful exorcism and he went on and was okay. But then whenever you look deeper into it, you realize that some of the uh, some of the claims of the exorcism did not actually happen. Some of the claims of, like, the family priest actually seeing things fly around a room did not happen. Some of the cases where the marks were showing up on the boy could have been uh, self-inflicted self -inflicted and everything. And also, if you look at the boy's previous life using, like, his neighbors and whatnot, he was a trickster. He was very mean to other children. He played a lot of, like, scary, stupid tricks on his family and kids around him. And that, I think, was due to his aunt, who he was very close to, who was a spiritualist. And I'm not saying that spiritualism and spiritualists are bad. I'm saying that it can be bad. If you let yourself let go of your own skepticism, then you're, you're feeding into the machine. Yeah. Now, a, a healthy amount of skepticism is perfectly fine. Being overly skeptic or not skeptic at all is what leads to situations like this. Okay. Do you have any more questions? No. Any okay. more questions? I didn't ask you anything. Do you have any questions? No. Were you haunted this week? Mm. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, then you did say Fred. Uh, <laughs> no context. No. We're not gonna tell context. you context. Um. Then we're gonna end it here. Sorry. Uh. If you're are if you are a new listener, I hope you subscribe. I hope you uh listen to the past episodes. Um, if you are a continual listener, I hope you stay tuned for us next week. Hope any everybody stay tuned for us next week. Uh, do you want to give a hint for next week, Gabby? What's next week? Not the, no, not that one. This um, one. Dog. Dogs. Dogs. That's dogs. the hint. Dogs. <laughs> All right, dogs is the hint for next week. <laughs> Hope you have a good day. Hope you don't get possessed. Hope you don't get exercised. Well, if you do get possessed, legitimately. I hope you seek help. <laughs> Did you know? Oh boy. That there is such thing as perfect possession. Meaning? Meaning whenever a demon possesses you, you, you basically say yes. And it's like you're agreeing to be possessed by them. And that means that you and the demon both have full control over your body. That's weird. It's like a symbiotic relationship. Maybe maybe we'll get into possessions a little later. Uh, anyway, do you have anything else to add? No. About possessions or anything like that? Well. Exorcise, not exercise. <laughs> exorcise, not exercise. <laughs>
Anyway, this has been Hunting Legends. Hope you have a good day. Uh, Gabby, say bye. Bye. Bye.